This is the fourth week of this assembly series. Uh, there's a lot of Christians that have a wrong mindset about church. They think that if they don't go to church, then God is unhappy with them. There's so many people that don't even pursue relationship with God because they think, well, I haven't been to church, and, and so I'm not going to pray. God won't listen to me anyway. It's like walking through the doors, we, we get this check mark, and it's all of a sudden like, it's a, okay, God's going to hear me this week, or he's happy with me. This week, things will go right because I stepped into the doors of the church, and really, that is a very negative idea. It's a very wrong idea of why we gather and what church is. God is happy with you and proud of you because you said yes to Jesus. And there's not anything you can do to change that, good or bad. He hears you uh, just as loudly the weeks you go to church as he does the weeks you don't go to church. Well, then why do we do it? Because, you know, sleeping in on Sunday sounds like a pretty good thing some weeks, right? Or, or, or doing everything else on Sunday sounds pretty good sometimes. Well, sometimes there's a time for that. But assembling and gathering together as believers, the benefits are through the roof. It's like if you're a Christian and you're not gathering together in an assembly, you're just not taking advantage of the amazing benefits that the Lord has given you. You know, when you have a job and it's a good job and uh, you know, your salary is, is a big part probably of why you work that job. But you know, there's also these things called benefits of, of, of having a job. And sometimes that benefit includes health insurance. Sometimes it includes other kind of amenities uh, that you get for certain jobs. A lot of you in here know what I'm talking about. And if you don't take advantage of those benefits, it's like you're only using part of what that job is supplying for you, salary, which is important, believe me, but there's so many more benefits. Why wouldn't you take advantage of all of them, right? This isn't the kind of benefit where the company sends out an email and they're like, well, you know we're on hard times, and you know we've offered everybody uh, these benefits that include days off, but we're going to ask you this year to please not use those benefits. I've known people that got that email in the past few years, right? But that's not what happens in God's economy, right? We have a set of benefits that we will experience when we gather together that don't run dry, that don't have a hard year, that you'll never get an email that says, I want you to go to church, but you're not going to experience the benefits right now. The bank of heaven is running a little bit low on funds. That doesn't happen right? So we've talked now for three weeks about those benefits. There's three major ones listed in Hebrews chapter 10. So I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you those three benefits are when you gather together and assemble like we're doing right now, it will help you hold fast to the profession of your faith. And I'm telling you, in this current world, in this current climate, politically, uh, culturally, socially, it is more difficult than ever to hold fast to the confession of your faith because there are people now that will look at you in the eye and tell you you're a bigot because of your faith. That if you believe, I saw a clip this week of somebody, they were interviewing somebody and they said, so what is your religion? She goes, I'm a Christian. And he goes, oh, so you believe the Bible? And she got real quiet. And he goes, uh, do you believe the Bible? Do you mind me asking you that? She goes, I don't believe the Bible, but I'm a Christian. And it's like, that's a weird outlook, right? Because it's kind of all based on what this says. If you don't believe this, you have some issues. But there's people right now in the culture and they will tell you, if you believe this, you are wrong, right? They'll just flat out tell you that. But we are called to hold fast to the profession of our faith. And you know what makes it remarkably, 
remarkably more likely that you'll be able to is gathering together in this assembly. Part, uh, reason number two and three, the number two and three benefits go right along with that. It says we will provoke each other to love and to good works when we assemble together. And the third benefit in Hebrews chapter 10 says we will simply encourage each other. That doesn't just mean punching somebody on the shoulder saying, you got this, pal, you can do it. No, the word encourage is way deeper than that. The word, in, well, let's start with the word discourage. Discourage means to take courage out of somebody. So there's somebody in front of you. I think I'm gonna go apply for this new job. I think I have what it takes. And you look at them and you're like, oh, there are so many more people that are more qualified than you are for that job. Don't waste your time filling out that application. Keep on doing what you're doing. It's safe. You have a salary, blah, blah, blah. No, that is removing courage from somebody and removing courage from that situation. That's called discouragement. Encouragement is when you put encourage into somebody. When you put courage into somebody, you say, listen, you can do it. Keep on going. The Bible says what you put your hands to will prosper. Put your hand to that resume. Go put it in. Believe that you, even if you're not qualified naturally, you have the Holy Spirit on your side who can make your resume rise to the top if that's what he wants to do. So encourage each other is deeper than just saying you got this, pal. No, it's actually the idea that we get to give each other courage. That's what we do when we assemble. That's why Paul said in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves, or in the King James language, don't forsake the assembly of the saints. It's not because you don't want to get slapped on the wrist. That's not what God does. It's because you're not using the benefits of what this is. You're not experiencing the benefits of church, of gathering together. They're remarkable. They're extensive. Thank you, Jesus, that we have this uh, we have this benefit. Last thing I'm going to say that's review is Paul wrote that to a very, very persecuted church. When those folks gathered, it was at risk of their lives. And he said, it's more important to gather together and risk your life than it would be to just be safe and stay home. At least for us in this room right now, it's probably not for any of us risking our lives to be here this morning. But just to put that in context, Paul said, it's worth risking your life. Man, sometimes we forget how good we have it. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, thank you. So what we've been doing for the last couple weeks is I've been encouraging you uh, by going through the names of God that are listed in the Bible and the courage and 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 the faithfulness that we see in his very name. And, and how does that work with assembling? Well, that's what we each do with each other all the time. We might be telling a story to somebody about how we, we, we made it through last month and it was hard to pay the bills, but we got through. We might not say that we're talking about Jehovah Jireh, our provider, but that's what we are doing. We are giving testimony of Jehovah Jireh who provided for us. We might not say, well, you know, God's name, there's this name that's called Jehovah Rapha and it means God's my healer. But no, when we stand up here and give testimony of healing, we are reminding each other that we serve a God who is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. So just like we're all known by different names, we're all known by different things. Uh, I'm, I'm the father of my children. I'm the husband of my wife, with the provider for my house, right? The, whatever, we are all known as different names. Same with God. Through the Bible, he is known and reveals himself in so many different 
ways, and there's actual physical names for all these different all these different traits. So we've been through a few. We talked last week about Jehovah Sidkenu, which means God, our righteousness. He is the reason we are righteous. He is the only reason we get to spend eternity with Him in heaven. We talked about Jehovah Shalom, our peace, and how the book of Isaiah says that if you struggle without with, with if you struggle with not walking in peace, it's as simple as fix your mind on God, put your thoughts on Him, and you will experience peace. That's a, a life verse for us, and I think it should be for a lot of us. We talked about Jehovah Kadesh, the God who sanctifies. He is the reason we are a gathering of saints and not sinners. You might have sinned today, but let me tell you, you are not a sinner. Because of Jesus, you are a saint. It has nothing to do with your own actions. Being a saint is everything to do with believing in Jesus, who is part, uh, he, he is uh, the, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God who sanctifies Jehovah Kadesh. Jehovah Shama is how we stopped last week, God who is there. So today I'm going to jump into one that we've all been singing the popular song for the last couple years, Jehovah Jireh. You know that song? I love that song. Jireh, you are enough. I really love that song. The name Jehovah Jireh means our provider, and we see this maybe stronger than and, and more uh, obvious in the story of Abraham and Isaac than we see it throughout the rest of the Bible. If you don't know this story, Abraham and Isaac lived way before Jesus, and Isaac was a promised son. Abraham was, uh, him and Sarah were, were well into their years when, when they conceived and gave birth to Isaac, the son of the promise. And on a morning that maybe seemed like just an average morning, on a morning where they were just probably going through the motions, God appears or at least speaks to Abraham. And he says, take your son, the one I promised you, and go up the mountain and make a sacrifice. Well, what do you want me to sacrifice on top of this mountain? I want you to sacrifice your son. That was the word, but Abraham knew God. And the Bible says that he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. How does that translate to the New Testament? Do you know when you believe in Jesus, it is accounted to you as righteousness? It is not your own actions. It is believing in Jesus that God looks at you and says, that is my righteous servant right there, right? It's not because you've done something right. It's because you believe in Jesus who did everything right. So if you want a glimpse into what Abraham was thinking, did he think he was going to take Isaac up that mountain and drive a knife through his heart? I don't know. He might have been thinking that. But when Isaac asked him, where's the sacrifice? He said, God will provide. And I believe that Abraham knew God so well. He knew that if it did come to driving a knife through the heart of his son, we had a God that is all about resurrection, right? And, and God is not going to take away something that he promised. Abraham knew that. So he took Isaac up the mountain. Isaac willingly somehow laid down on this uh, altar. I think Isaac knew that the same God that Abraham knew. He laid down, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appeared and says, wait, look over in the bush. There's a ram. That's what I want you to sacrifice. That's what God has provided. He's Jehovah Jireh, the provider. But there's so much more to that story. I read this article once um, that this, this, this guy, who he lives in Israel, and he knows the terrain, and he was talking about the actual bush that this ram got caught in. And he said, this was on a hill. Don't forget, Abraham and Isaac had to walk up a hill. 
to get to this altar. He said, uh, the, these particular hills in Israel, well, like any other hill, the wind blows and it blows down and it blows hard down this hill. And, and, and this isn't an a, a area that you might just look at and call desert. So what happens is for a bush or for a plant to grow, it doesn't get a ton of nutrients, so it grows really fast above the ground, but the roots don't grow deep to take root. So when a breeze comes, it uproots the bush and blows it, and it's kind of like the equivalent of what you would see in an old western tumbleweed. You know what I'm talking about? You see, the, you see the picture on TV, and it's just this big endless desert, and the wind blows, and you see this little tumbleweed blow across the screen. That's the kind of bush that this ram was caught in. And for that bush to be strong enough to stop and to catch a ram, it would have had a groan on the side of that hill for over 30 years. 30 years without one breeze blowing hard enough to uproot it and blow it down. 30 years without somebody walking beside it, seeing it and just pulling it out, kicking it, doing whatever. 30 years without another animal coming over and eating it. 30 years that bush would have had a groan to be strong enough to catch a ram and not be uprooted. That is a miracle that we overlook when we're just reading the story of Jehovah Jireh, the one who provided the ram. He didn't just provide a ram. He didn't just snap his fingers and say, boom, now there's a ram in the bush, use that. No, for 30 years, he prepared a bush for this very moment. For 30 years, he had his hand over this tumbleweed and protected it from everything else around it because he knew in 30 years, Abraham, my servant, is gonna bring Isaac up on this mountain and I'm gonna reveal myself as Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Man, there's some people in this room that haven't even been alive for 30 years yet you're about to face a situation that God has been preparing for you to step into. And it might look overwhelming in the beginning. You might look at these and then think, oh, I'm starting from the beginning and this is freaky and this is scary and I'm starting over, I'm going to college, I'm, I'm getting married soon or, or I'm starting a new job or I got a baby on the way or I'm tired of my career, I need another one. Whatever it is, you're at a, a, a place in your life when you're like, man, I got some decisions to make, but be of good courage, be of good cheer. I'm telling you, God has been preparing this moment exactly for you. Some tastes for 30 or more years before you were born. He said, this is what I'm preparing right now for this moment, for this person. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Uh, Jerry, uh, one of our elders here, reminded me of a story this week in our men's meeting. So the guys that were here Thursday, you just heard this story, but I want to tell it again. We were in Mexico uh, my wife and I and my kids with ambassadors to the nations years ago. And we were in this village uh, that was, I don't know, a few hours down uh, past the border. And we had never been there before that I, that I know of, but it was, it was a very poor area. And we were going door to door giving out lots of food, rice and beans, lots of other food, um, and, and Christmas gifts. I think it was a Christmas, must have been a Christmas trip because we had food. And if I remember right, we had blankets because... It was super cold that year. And, um, but we, we had blankets, food, and, and we, were, uh, we had our youth group there. We were doing it. So the youth group, we had an area where they did a skit, and we told people about Jesus. We worshiped, and it was a great day. It was towards the end of the day. And we had all these leftovers in the bus, 
um, a, almost a whole 15-passenger bus filled with food and all kinds of stuff we just hadn't given away yet. No problem. We'll just do it the next day. But there was this hill on the other side of the village, and my mother-in-law says, no, no, we need to go over there. We haven't, we haven't hit those houses yet, even though we're all tired. We drive over, and we're uh, knocking on doors, and no one's really answering, but there's this house at the top of the hill, and there's a light on. You can hear people in it. So we walked up to this house, knocked on the door. Somebody came to the door, and in the house is everybody that wasn't in their own homes in that little area was all gathered in the living room of that house. They were circled up, their hands, they were holding their hands, and they were praying. And when the guy opened the door, he saw all of us, man, he started jumping up and down. They all started jumping up and down. Man, they were just, uh, it was such a poor area, and they were completely out of food, and nobody had any money. They were circled up, literally praying for food. They were praying for uh, a miracle. And as they were praying, we knocked on their door and just unloaded a 15-passenger bus filled with rice, beans, food. My mother-in-law says, man, let's take up an offering for all these people. I think we left them with like $1,000 or something that they were all spreading that down. It was such a huge blessing. And we got to be a part of it. We got to be a part of Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Those folks were praying, and in the moment as they prayed and were believing, we arrived. And how many times in your life has that happened? You've been praying for something, the next day all of a sudden you're in a situation, someone might not even know it, but they're exactly what you've been praying for. The door opens, and it wasn't just by chance. Jehovah Jireh, your provider, knew you, knew the need before you even knew the need, and he provided with his hand preparing maybe a bush for 30 years for you. That is why we sing the song, we give you the highest praise. There's nobody else with that foresight. There's nobody else that knows what we need before we even ask. There's nobody else who knows where we're gonna be and the doors we need to walk through before we're even born. But before you were even born, he says he has a plan for you. They give you a hope and a future. And when you see it in those moments, it's not just God in a moment looking down and saying, oh, I forgot. You're going hungry this week. I forgot, uh, this, the, the Johnson family needs, needs a new job. This family needs this, this. No, no, he's been preparing it for you. Yeah. It's your job to say yes when he says, go up the mountain and make a sacrifice. Yeah. It's your job to take the walk up the mountain fully knowing I have a God who provides. And maybe I'm walking empty-handed, but I'm walking. And if I walk away from everything I've known, God will fill my hands because he's telling me to walk just do it. I think it was that same trip. One more quick testimony. We had our youth group and also Lisa's parents church, their youth group. And we had a very ethnically diverse group of kids on this trip. Their, uh, Lisa's parents church is, is uh, most of the kids in their youth group were black. Most of the kids in our youth were white at the time. And we have these two groups of kids in Mexico doing sketches, praying for people. And we're down in this little country village. And this guy walks past the, the area and he just, he has this giant tumor on his face. I mean, it was as big as his head. It was a giant tumor. And he walked up to our youth group. And before any adult could say anything, teenagers from both youth groups had gathered around this guy and they were praying for him. And after that was over, uh, Lisa's mom asked him what was going on. He had a dream the night before that a group of black and white American teenagers prayed for him and his tumor got better. That was the dream he had the night before. He had never seen anything like that in his village. But the next day, he's walking down the street, and he sees a group of black and white American teenagers. 
And he, he said he felt like he, you know, it was like, where, what is happening right now? But he walked up, they prayed for him. The next day he came to that place, the tumor was completely gone. It was completely healed. So, I mean, think about that. Think about the preparation that that took. This guy has a dream. He has a tumor. He has a dream that uh, black and white American teenagers pray for him and he's healed. So like, maybe it wasn't just by chance all these mamas and dads you know, six months before the mission trip said, okay, let's start raising money, right? Let's start raising money. It wasn't just by chance that our church and their church said, hey, let's take 30 teenagers to Mexico because that's a horrible idea. And who would ever want to do that? But for some reason, it happened. We did it. There was so much that went into this moment. But just like the guy who had his hand over the bush for 30 years in preparation for that moment to be Jehovah Jireh, the provider, he had something to do with every one of those families here in the U.S. sending their kids to Mexico. And this man that maybe nobody else in the world even knew was important enough to God say, no, this is not how your story is going to end with a tumor and cancer on your face. Let me tell you, Jehovah Jireh has been preparing things for you that you haven't even seen yet. So if you're going through a hard time, just keep going. If you're going through something rough right now, just keep moving. He's the God that walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Every time he doesn't leave you, just keep going. Because why? He's also known as Jehovah Nisi, your banner that means your victory. Ooh, that's good. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Paul is writing to his protege. He's mentoring Timothy, who's a younger minister, and he says to him, Fight the good fight of faith. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me say this. I'm going to say it again, though. The only reason a fight is ever good is because you win it. I've already talked about me and Mary for 20 years. The only good fights Lisa and I have ever had are the ones where I won in the end. That's my perspective. Her perspective is I just won that fight. That was a good fight. A bet. We were doing so good this week, she said. A better example is two boxers or somebody competing in a sporting event, right? Fight the good fight. That's only a good fight if you win it. The only boxer saying at the end of the match, that was a good fight. He might look rough. He might have a black eye. He might have a swollen face. But if he won that fight, he's the one up there saying that was a good fight. <laughs> she says that's next week. Well, Paul says in Timothy, keep fighting the good fight because Paul knew his secret. If you don't quit, you win because God is Jehovah Nisi, your victory. Here's something I want to say. It's not up to God if you win or lose as a believer. It's up to you if you win or lose as a believer. You don't have to sit around and pray, Lord, give me the victory over this sickness. Give me the victory over this poverty. Give me the victory over this fear, over this anxiety. And if he chooses, he says, okay, you'll no longer be afraid. Okay, you'll no longer be without. Okay, you'll no longer be this or no. That's not what happens. If that's your idea of God, then maybe you're one of those Christians that doesn't actually believe the Bible either because that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we have been given the victory from Jehovah Nisi, our banner. We have been given healing from Jehovah Rapha, our healer, who by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. We have been given peace by Jehovah Shalom, the God who is our peace. It's not up to him if we walk in victory over the things that come against us. It is up to us. 
And sometimes we might experience that victory quickly. Sometimes it might take a while. And when it takes a while, Paul says, just keep fighting. Just stay standing. If you're walking through something hard, just keep walking through it. And know that this too will pass. And I'm not trying to make light of it because I'm looking out here right now at faces of people that I know personally have been through some really hard things. And I'm not trying to make light of those hard things. We go through hard things. But if we just keep going, we'll get to the other side. We have a promise that Jehovah Nisi, our victory and our banner is taking us there. A lot of times it's taken so long because we wouldn't be able to handle the victory in that moment. We don't have the character for it yet. We don't have the maturity to receive it yet. Sometimes what's taken us so long is that we're just refusing to grow a little bit, right? We're refusing to, to pick up the word and see what it says about situations and then apply it. If you're not mature enough to apply the word, there's a good chance you're not mature enough to handle the answer when it comes to you. If you're believing for finances, but you've never been able to save $10, it's the good chance you're not going to be good with that million dollars if it comes around. Have you heard the countless stories of the athletes and lottery winners that go broke as soon as they're done with their spending spree and the money is not coming in anymore? It's because winning the lottery is usually no good for anybody. If you don't know how to handle a little, the Bible says, why would the Lord let you be faithful in much? Learn and build your character. Going through that valley, it's not God sending you through the valley, but he can develop your character while you're in that valley. He can develop your maturity while you're in that valley. And when you get to the point, when you can handle it, you're going to see the answer. Just don't quit. Just keep standing. Fight the good fight. If you don't lay down, you're going to win. A better example of that is WWF. I know that sounds goofy, but that's an even better example because you know, I hate, if you're, I hope I don't ruin anybody's life here, but do you know, <laughs> I believe they've changed the name to World Wrestling Entertainment now because as much of freak athletes as those guys are, there are storylines that are written by writers and when those two men or two women or whoever it is step into the ring, you know there's a predetermined winner of that fight. Maybe it's a little bit of an adventure on how they get there, and I, I'm not trying to make light of it because those guys are crazy athletic and crazy strong, but there's a predetermined winner. And the guy who steps out into the ring and Mr. McMahon has said, you're the winner of this fight, as long as he doesn't walk away from that ring, as long as he doesn't lay down and quit, that dude's going to win no matter what happens because the boss said, you're going to win this fight. That's actually a better example. You're going to win if you just stay standing. If you don't quit, you're going to win. Jehovah Nisi, your banner. Don't put your arms down, Moses, and you will win the fight. Don't put your arms down. Joshua, I'm just going to keep the sun up for you, so don't quit. Walk around Jericho and scream, and the walls will come down. Step in front of the giant with five rocks you find in the stream. Can you imagine you're going to cut the head off of this giant and you don't even have a sword, right? And the sword that's within your reach is Goliath's and it's taller than you are. I don't know how all that worked, but that's how it worked. Just step in front of the giant with whatever you have, throw the rocks if that's what you have, and watch the victory come to you. Get thrown in the lion's den and I'll shut the mouth. Just don't give up. Get thrown into the fire. You won't burn up. You won't even smell like smoke because I'm your victory. Just 
don't quit. Don't give up. Jehovah Nisi, your banner. He is your victory. Amen? Amen. Here we go. This is the last one. We made it through Jehovah Rohi. I know I'm not saying all these exactly right, but this is Jehovah Rohi, and it means God, my shepherd. And I love the idea of God as our shepherd. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, it's one of my favorite verses. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Right? So as a believer, Jesus speaks to us. God speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. And we can hear him lead us as a shepherd. But there's also another side to being a shepherd that I want us to focus on. David talks about it in 1 Samuel 17. Since I just mentioned Goliath, this is actually when uh, Saul was trying to discourage David from going out and fighting the giant. David had courage. He was going to stand in front of the Goliath, in front of the giant, and, and take him down. And Saul says, no, don't do it. You're small. You don't have any armor. You're, he's going to kill you. But David said, I don't need your encouragement. I have the Lord on my side. Here's what he said. David persisted. I have been... T That's a big... We could just stop there. Just keep persisting. David persisted, right? Just keep going. Is this exactly what we were just talking about? David persisted. What if he'd have stopped? Okay, you're right. I can't defeat the giant. Let me go home. And the whole story would be different. It wouldn't even be a story. I mean, it would just be boring. If David had not persisted, he would have just been a delivery guy. He was taking his brother's bread and cheese. Did you know cheese was in the Bible? He was taking his brother's bread and cheese and the, they were going to have a little charcuterie night right, right there on the battlefield because that's what people had back then, right? So David was taking bread and cheese to his brothers, and there was a giant taunting, taunting the people of the Lord. You might got a giant taunting you right now. It might be the economy. It might be the housing market. It might be a hard situation at home. It might be a parent. It might be a loved one. There might be something taunting you right now, saying you're never going to make it. You made a bad decision. God's forgot about you. You're not going to get through this one. He's not going to get you through this one. That last one he got you through, that was somebody else's fault. That's why he did it. This one's your fault. That's not, doesn't matter at all. Romans 8, 28 says he'll make all things work for the good of those that are in Christ Jesus. You just need to be like David and keep persisting. Keep moving forward. David persisted. And here's what he said. The shepherd, this is what the shepherd said. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. It's a pastor, you love taking care of the sheep, not so much the goats. You should really be trying to be sheep, not goats. He said, I take care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with the club. All I ever see is videos of people running away from bears and lions, right? This guy ran towards them. I go after them with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. He doesn't even have the tools we have. He doesn't have any type of automatic weapon. He doesn't have any gun. He, doesn't have, he says, I take a club, and I go after the lion and the bear with a club. And this is my favorite part. I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. That says what it says. He catches a lion and a bear by the jaw and clubs it to death when they turn on me. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. He has defied the armies of the living God. Notice, he doesn't even try to get them when they're not looking. He's like, okay, they're running away. I'm going to catch them off guard and take them down. He's like, no, I'll wait till they turn and look at me, 
And when they look at me with their big teeth and their big strong jaws, I just grab them by the jaw and club them to death to save the sheep. That is a picture of God, our shepherd. That is a picture of God, our shepherd. Yes, he's the gentle shepherd that leads us and speaks to us. He's also the shepherd that says, you got an enemy? Just wait till it turns to you. I'm on your side. Grab it by the jaw and just start clubbing him to death. How do you club the enemy to death? Well, don't forget, you don't wrestle with flesh and blood. This isn't talking about killing somebody. You wrestle with powers and principalities. How do you wrestle with powers and principalities? With the word. This is what your club to club the powers and principalities to death with. You got to know it. You got to have this in your arsenal. You, this has to be your arsenal. Because when this is your arsenal and the enemy looks at you and Satan comes like a roaring lion and he's trying to intimidate and to take you down, you don't need to turn around. You don't got to wait till he's not looking and sneak attack. No, when he's yelling the loudest, you got to remember, I'm the one that has authority. You actually don't have any authority. You've been defeated by Jehovah Nisi, our victory. And Jehovah Roha, our shepherd, has shown me how to take you down. Jesus didn't just get tortured on the cross. I I used to have this thought that he got tortured in hell as well, but he didn't. Paul says that when Jesus was in hell, he made an open show of the devil. That means it was a military term. When a king would lose, they'd make an open show of him. They'd strip him naked and parade him through the town of his own kingdom as a defeated enemy. When Jesus died a sinner's death as a perfect man, Paul said he went to the gates of hell and paraded a defeated enemy around the streets for three days. And then he grabbed the keys of life and death and resurrected and says, now this all belongs to you. Yet we're still taking, we're still taking instructions from a king, king that has no more power and no more authority. All we got to do, shut his mouth, grab that jaw with the word, and start to tell him who you are. Start to tell him who God is. Start to tell him who Jesus is. I have a shepherd, and he's given me power and authority. And the word says, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. The word says, I don't have a spirit of fear, but I got a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The word says, if I don't quit right now, I'm going to win. Man, that's good, good, good. He is Jehovah Roha, our shepherd. He is Jehovah Nisi, our victory. He's Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness. Jehovah Shama, the God who was there. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And his Holy Spirit lives on the inside of every one of us. Every one of us. Not in a far off place. Not where we have to scream loud and then he hears us. I heard somebody say they wanted to climb the highest peak so they'd be closer to God and he would hear their voice. Like, man, climb the highest mountain if you want, buddy, but this is how far you have to talk right here. This is it. He is so, so good. In his name, in his very name, we can find ourselves within his faithfulness. And as we gather together like this on Sundays or on Tuesdays or Thursday night Bible studies or whatever it is, Wednesday night city youth, 
We're not just Monday night prayer. We're not just getting together to get together. No, no, this is where we remind each other who he is, what his word says, and who we are in Christ. 1 John 4, 17, if you want to talk about Jesus, it says, as he was, as he is, so are you in this world. Man, that's awesome. That means we're not waiting on him to give us the victory. No, it's up to us to stand and receive and accept that victory. It's up to us to just keep moving through that valley because it's going to end. You're going to get through that valley, but you just don't stand still. Don't lay down. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. There was a country song back in the day. Do you remember this song? The guy said, if you're going through hell, keep on going. Anybody remember that one? I don't think it was super popular, but my dad played it here one Sunday like 10 times. We didn't even have the band up. He just kept playing this song. Said, if you're going through hell, just keep on going. <laughs> it's true. Thank you, Jesus, though. He's with us in that valley. He is the shepherd that his rod and staff comfort us. He's not giving up on us. We just don't need to give up on him. Don't give up on his word because it's true even when you don't see it, even when you don't understand how can this be true with what I'm facing, with what's all around me. Well, you got to remember, and we look at things with our very temporary eyes. There's a whole nother set of eyes that we actually have if we tap into them, our spiritual eyes. There's also a God in heaven that sees things way differently than we do. And you know, if you read that story of Job, I'm not going to get into Job too much, but one of the best parts is at the end when Job's questioning God and God just goes down this list. He says, oh, you want to question me? Where were you when I spoke the world into existence? Where were you when I carved the mountains out? Where were you when I created the streams that bring life into the valleys? Where were you when I lit the stars on fire and placed them in the sky? Where were you when I said, let there be light and the world was covered in light before there was even a star to give that light away? God said, let there be light and then waited three days to create the source of the light. Where were you? And if we can't wrap our minds around that one, Maybe it's safe to say we're seeing our own situations a little bit more temporary than God sees it. Maybe when we look around and we see how I may don't have a way out right here, but I know I have a God who for 30 years has had a hand over a bush on a side of a mountain. Can you imagine maybe like an angel walks, maybe God assigned an angel to that bush. And for 30 years, this dude's like, what? I'm guarding a bush. This is the worst job anybody's ever had. He's like, my buddy's got to go rain fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah. That looked kind of fun. And I'm just standing here with a bush. God, could you give me a better job? Gabriel gets a flaming sword and he gets to guard the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword. And I just got to guard this bush. But he didn't know that for 30 years he was guarding the bush because for 30 years God said, I got to make provision for Abraham and for Isaac. He's my son. 
he's my son and I want get good things for him. And it's going to take 30 years of prep. It's going to take 30 years of you standing in front of that bush, guarding it from every little bit of wind, every little thing that would come against it. We don't even see the smallest amount of what's happening in the spirit. I'm going to invite the band up. Have you ever seen a picture of a glacier? You know, you see these glaciers above the ocean. And if I remember the numbers, I think something like less than 10% of that glacier is above the water. So you see a glacier that might look massive above the water, but when the camera pans back, you see this even larger glacier underwater. It's way bigger than it seems. We might see a, a, a little sprout coming up from the surface of a garden, but underground there's a system of roots and there's nutrients that are growing and there's so much more happening. In the natural, we have so many examples that things are more than they seem, that what I see is only part of the story. Let me tell you, as a believer, what we see is only part of the story. There is so much more happening and that has happened in the spirit. And if we begin to change our mindset and to think differently, and instead of thinking about this giant problem that's in front of us, we think of Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and our next thought is, man, what kind of bush on the side of a mountain have you been preparing for this moment? Maybe I see an impossible situation and I start getting a little bit more excited about how I'm gonna walk with God and see the way out. Get more excited about the fun answer he's gonna show me. We've talked about this a few times over the last few months, but don't forget uh, the prophet Anna who hadn't had any children and the prophet looks at her and says, at this time next year, you'll have a child. And it says she left and was no longer sad anymore. She didn't wait till the baby came before she wasn't sad. She didn't hold her breath for nine months and say, oh, if only I make it through these nine months, then I can be happy holding my baby. No, it says she wasn't sad anymore when the word came forth and said, you'll have a baby. Man, apply any other emotion to that. The Lord said, I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And I left that moment and I wasn't anxious anymore because I knew he was gonna provide. The Lord said, I'm Jehovah, your shepherd. And I left that moment and I wasn't afraid anymore because my shepherd would just grab the bear by the jaw and club it to death. It's up to us to walk in that victory. He's already Jehovah Nisi. It's up to us to receive what he has for us. That's good, good news. I hope you've been encouraged through this. I hope you've been encouraged by this. If, if uh, Man, if you want my notes, I'll be glad to send you all my notes. It's got every scripture reference. It's got every one of these names written out. And um, just reach out to me. Let me know. Send an email or shoot me a text. Just tell me, but... I'll send you my notes because this is something that I, I always remind myself of this. In fact, there's this great prayer outline that we've been uh, doing here at, at FCG praying um, with this outline that I believe Larry Lee put together for years and it goes through the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray the first part, our Father who art in heaven, it stops right there and then it has all these names listed right there. And as you pray the prayer, instead of just going straight to our Father who art in heaven, that kingdom, instead of going straight to the next part, stop and reflect 
on all these names of God, who he is and what he's provided for us. It's important to remember to keep yourselves reminded of this. That's what these moments are for. So I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you're leaving here filled with faith and filled with excitement, how God's got this situation taken care of, even if that means he's been prepping something for 30 or more years. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's put the word into action by instead of thinking about the issues and the problems, we're going to put our focus on the Lord. We're going to worship a little bit. And I'm telling you, if you've been waiting on breakthrough in any area, this can be the day you get it. This can be the moment right now. Just focused on the Lord, worshiping him. That's the best time for breakthrough that I can imagine. Amen.